Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, cold centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, do it big, like lines for an offense, cold centric, don't take offense, back in the day, Welcome back to the Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley, thank you guys for coming back again tonight, and tonight we are here to recap, uh, review, talk about discuss uh everything that we kind of saw in the colts 20 to 19 loss in preseason week two action against the baltimore ravens uh tonight joining me is my cohort over at stampede blue chris shepherd chris what's up hey how's it going matt good brother we've got a little bit to talk about here tonight so this is going to be uh a good show i'm i'm interested to get some some of your takes on what you saw last night uh, as well but I mean there were you know there was quite a bit that that stood out I mean at least at first no I mean let's get the monkey out off our back real quick uh, and and talk about luck luck did not have a good showing uh, last night but I mean I guess we can put it in a different type of context he started out over three with an interception uh, through his first two drives in the third drive he went four of seven for 44 and I mean kind of it, it was just very sporadic from him you know there was I wasn't so concerned about the stats necessarily or anything like that that Andrew put out I was a little more concerned about kind of some of how he reacted to just the 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 gameplay throughout the first three drives what were your thoughts in, initially well I mean you know we got a we got a, a look at Andrew Luck when his first game back you know, in the first preseason game, and he looked really good. He came out, and uh, you know, he didn't didn't really make any major mistakes. He, you didn't see a lot of rust. And then the second game, he comes out, and it looks like it's been a long time since he's played football. But he, I mean, he still looks like Andrew Luck, uh, just a pretty rusty Andrew Luck. And so, you know, while it, while I wasn't excited about what I saw, at the same time, I'm still not concerned. Now, if he comes out and he lays an egg for three quarters, you know, in, in game three, then, you know, I might be a little more concerned. Um, but at the same time, you know, what we saw wasn't great. Uh, but it, it has been a long time since the guys played football, and, and you know, he's playing a, a Baltimore Ravens defense that they might be pretty good this year. So, you know, it, you know it's not a – it wasn't encouraging, but at the same time, I'm not going to panic. Uh, you know, I think that he'll be okay. Uh, I mean, he's still Andrew Luck, but, you know – there are going to be times when he looks like he hasn't played football for a while. I think by, by week six, we're not going to be talking about 
this. <laughs> We're definitely not going to be talking about this anymore. And it's, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, maybe the, those first, you know, four or five weeks, you know, he goes through some ups and downs, but you know, he's going to get back in the groove of things and, and he's going to be Andrew Luck. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Colts definitely took a different approach, right? I mean, uh, the first week <clears throat> they were, they were getting him started on first down with some passes the second week, this past week, you know, we saw a lot of Christine Michael on first down. And I just, I mean, I think that we need to keep that in context as well. But it's not, to me, for me, it's not an excuse for him. You know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, Andrew's going to be faced with third down and long with this, I mean, offense. We, we know that T.Y. Hilton is there. We know what kind of uh, weapon he is. We know Doyle's his security blanket. We know all these things about the offense. But it's not just going to be a pushover all year. I mean, Andrew Luck's going to have some crappy situations that he's in, and he's going to have to dig the Colts out of them if they're going to win any games. Right, yeah. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about it at all. I'm not too concerned about the approach. I'm not at all concerned about the play calling or any of that crap. To me, that's just a waste of thought process. Um, but, okay, for, the, for example, on the interception, what bothered me – okay, he throws the interception – Christine Michael steps out of bounds. To me, initially, it looked like he just didn't finish his route um, because he knew he stepped out. And you, you see that maybe he's supposed to come in. But then again, there's another player behind him, and you can't really tell if Christine Michael was the intended target even for that matter, and he just assumed the defender was going to go with Michael. My real, my real issue with that entire play was the fact that Andrew Luck left a clean pocket. I mean, the, the, ta the tackles held up. The interior held up. He might have had to sidestep. He had a lane to step up if he wanted to. I don't necessarily think that he had to. But he had a lane to step up into if he needed it. So that was what bothered me the most is that it was like, okay, Andrew, on, on two Mississippi, man, you don't need to leave the pocket. You know what I mean? That's not necessary for what's going on. So I, that was what kind of concerned me, if anything, the most on that play. Yeah, yeah, and I, I noticed, too, um, there was a play. I think it was actually just a few plays before that. It, it might have been – I think it was after the – you know, we punted the ball, they fumbled, we recovered. I think it was after that. But the the, uh, the Ravens, they pulled their – or their defensive tackle pulled uh, Quentin Nelson inside mm -hmm. uh, and it opened this big rushing lane, and a guy looped around and came through. And luck looked like he didn't want to get hit. And, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily him being afraid to take a hit. I don't think he's afraid to take it. I think with what we saw with week one, he got the ball out of his hand so fast. I think that that's what Reich has, has kind of drilled into his head, for, especially for the preseason, is, hey, this ball needs to get out quick so you're not taking hits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that might be a little bit of what he's seeing, and that might have made him leave that clean pocket uh, like you were talking about, you know, just the, the clock in his head. He's trying to speed that up and trying to get that out. And, it, you know, I kind of feel like he might be responding to coaching and, and uh, you know, Every now and then they say that, uh, you know, you hear people like, oh, we coached it out of them, and it, they mean that as a bad thing. So, you know, it, it could kind of be some of that, and, and Andrew Luck's still going to have to be Andrew Luck. But um, that play, that interception, that was a really bad decision. And, I, right. you know, he, he just he didn't make a good decision on that play. And, you know, to be fair, we've seen Andrew Luck make a lot of bad decisions. I, I don't know how many interceptions he's thrown while laying down on the ground, right. but I know, it's, <laughs> I know it's more than zero. Um, so. So, you know, that's that's a problem. And, you know, that's something we might just have to live with. He's going to make some amazing plays, and every now and then he might do something like that. And, that, you know, 
that's uh, that's he can, he can still be a Hall of Fame player doing that. But every now and then you're gonna you know you're gonna think how stupid could he be? But you know, it, it's just I think it might just be part of his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and we've talked about this for a long time. Uh, you know whether um, Andrew was going to. I mean, look, <clears throat> the Colts had the ball, and they had the ball at the Baltimore eleven. It was third and seven. Throw that ball out of bounds and take the field goal, for God's sakes. Right. I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it just it, it is a stupid play no matter what. But I think as far as, like you said, there's going to be that caveat with having Andrew Luck under center. He is going to be aggressive, and sometimes it's going to bite him in the ass. He's going to be overly aggressive. And, right. uh, and I think you're right. I think we just are simply probably going to have to live with that. So can you imagine, can you imagine having the confidence to, <laughs> to, to think, to think, Hey, you know what? I can make anything happen. This is the NFL. I'm playing with the best players on the planet, but I can probably fit this ball in there. So, you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but, uh, but man, yeah, you, you wish you could have that throwback. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. Cause you brought it up before the show and, and it was something we need to talk about with this running back group. Uh, Christine Michael started the game. Didn't I mean he just he had one run nine run or nine yard run, and that was it. And he still only had I think twenty seven yards on like seven carries, um, if that. I don't remember exactly what he had to be quite honest with you, but it wasn't that good. And yeah, I, I mean I don't necessarily understand the whole point in starting Christine Michael. I know that the Colts seem to like him in practice. Um, he does show some bursts and stuff. I've seen it, but it, it's just. So few and far between. He hasn't had good hands. Uh, you know, ball security's been an issue with him. So I don't really understand that. Even after what we saw from Wilkins, why not put him in there against the ones and kind of really see what he can do? Or are they waiting for all of that after week three, kind of the or for the somewhat called dress rehearsal? You know what I mean? I <clears throat> Ferguson gets hurt on what his second carry, so you can pretty much count him out. And then, right. then you look at Naheem Hines, and he's got his own issues. Not so bad running the ball. Uh, I didn't. At least I don't think he had his fumble on the ball. I think it was all on punt return. But it's just, I just don't understand why the Colts are still where they're at with the running back situation. I know Turbin's hurt. I know he's going to be out for four weeks. We know Max are hurt. He's going to be out until at least week one. Why mm-hmm. not? Why not give your your guy some reps? Are you saving him? I mean, because you know that he's going to have to be your bell cow for a few weeks or at least possibly for at least a week or two? Uh, or is this just, you know, we're going to give Christine Michael the absolute biggest chance in the world to make the make the roster? Well, that was kind of my thought. My thinking on it was, was okay, we're going to give Ferguson a look and we're going to give Michael a look and we're going to give him a fair shake against the ones and we're going to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the only thing that makes sense to me with, with as good as the other guys, as, as Jordan's look. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine there being any other reason why you wouldn't give Jordan Wilkins the ball against the ones unless you're, unless you're waiting for, you know, week three, unless you're waiting for that dress rehearsal and you, you say, okay, I've given everybody a chance to beat this kid out. Let's see what this kid's got. Mm-hmm. And just watching, it's tough because we don't have the all 22, but from the TV angle, watching him just 
fit into cracks and fit into those those small little creases. He runs nothing like Frank Gore at all. They, they're they're not similar in any way other than the fact that if there's a, a small tiny little area for whatever reason both those guys seem to get through it mm-hmm. uh and so that's one thing that that uh i'm pretty encouraged with him and i, I want to see him work against ones i want to see him work with you know the only thing that i can think is that they want to give everybody a, you know a fair shake with the ones maybe they knew maybe they knew ferguson wasn't <laughs> wasn't going to make the roster but they you know Maybe they're trying to set an example of, hey, you know, you do the right things, you come in, you work hard, and we're going to give you a shot. And then when you don't live up to it, well, then, you know, that's what happens. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but um, that was the only theory that I had that made any sense at all. Yeah, and you're right. They, I mean, he does kind of squeeze through. but he, he And Wilkins is not a small guy. I mean, mm-hmm. Wilkins is not like a – Right. You know, and, and neither necessarily was Gore, but Wilkins is very – I mean, he's a big boy, and he's pretty – he's fairly lean, but he's tall. And uh, mm-hmm. that's just not typically a quality you see out of a running back like that. So um, let's touch on a little bit of news real quick. Denzel Good is expected to be back uh, this week. Uh, apparently Malik Hooker's possibly going to get his 2018 preseason debut as well. Um, let's talk about Good first. I, how important is he just simply to have in the mix? I mean, I <laughs> – I think anybody that we can throw at the right tackle spot at this point and and let them work and let them try to try to improve that spot. Um, I need to give the game a, another look, another watch through to really go back and see how how Braden Smith did on the right. I didn't think he um, looked too bad personally. Okay, good. I was, That's I was, good. I was um, I was more impressed with him in this game than I was with him in any practice that I saw. Good. Um, it, you know, I, it was one of those things where I was trying to bounce back and forth between him and Nelson, and, and I was trying to watch those two specifically. But, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if Smith's going to be that guy. You know, he could. I hope that he is. Mm-hmm. If not, it, it can't hurt to have good back. I, it, you know, it's, it's tough because I, I really thought Denzel Good was going to be the future at right tackle. But then, Me too. you know, we bring in – you, we bring in Austin Howard and we bring in different people and, and um, you know, he's inconsistent. So, we, you know, we'll see. It can't hurt to have him back and to have more depth. And, and uh, at this point, I don't care who they play, but um, really, <laughs> Raven Clark needs to not be at left tackle ever again. Oh, you didn't like it? You didn't think he did well last night? <laughs> well, you know, just the one play where he got our, our starting quarterback who – you know, who's playing in his first two games in over a year when he just got him absolutely murdered. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of that at all. Sure. Um, but that, yeah, play, you know, you're the, talking about the there one. Were time, sure. There were times when, when he, he did well, uh, for sure. But, you know, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that I want him as our number two left tackle. I see. That's what I, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't mind if he's our number two. I'm not a big fan of him starting, mm-hmm. obviously with Costanzo back. That's important. Um, but you know, that, that chip block that, that Doyle put, you know, on mm-hmm. Suggs, Suggs, obviously, you know, I, I just, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or if maybe he was expecting, you know, Doyle to do a little more than just chip on him. You know what I mean? Right. And so sure. that's cause yeah. he, he certainly did not act like he felt he had any outside responsibility, uh, during that. So, I mean, whether yep. it could have been just complete idiocy or it could have been, you know, a miscommunication between the two. Uh, or the three for that matter. Yeah, but Andrew Luck getting hit like that blindside is not cool. But in, yeah, in general, uh, I was – I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say I was impressed, 
But I was I, – he looked so awkward when he was at left tackle last year to me when he'd come in and, and play a little bit of that, you know. And I just felt like he just looked completely out of place last year. Whenever they'd put him at left tackle in the preseason, mm-hmm. it just looked like a bad, bad situation. Um, now that he's there, he looks a little more at home uh, at, at left tackle. So I, I'm, I'm not concerned with him being our backup. Obviously, I don't want him starting. But here, right. my, my thought process is, is if Costanzo's not 100% by week one and he has to play one game, I'll live with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd much rather have a better option. But at, not, at, right. at this point, the Colts do not have a better option. I, you know, I, I, wasn't, I didn't hate how Joe Haig played left tackle either the other night. You know, I just right. I felt like I feel like they've got a couple guys they can put in nobody's going to be a starter caliber that they're going to do it with no matter what. Whoever's on the roster right now, there isn't a single starter caliber left tackle other than Anthony Costanzo. That's, that right. much is apparent. Um, yeah. But right tackle, I was like I said, I was happy with Braden Smith last night. Didn't do too bad. Had a couple harebrained penalties. Um, and just, man, one was like uh, on a drive where it was the, the Colts come out and fumble early, first you know, opening kickoff. And then their first possession, getting the ball back, they do – what was the uh, – I'm trying to think of the, uh, the line of, um, of penalties. There was a, the fumble. Uh, there was a holding on Braden Smith. Then the, oh, then there was a, uh, an illegal block in the back on the next play by Shontavis mm-hmm. Jones. Now it's like, what, second and 28. And yeah. uh, then there was a delay a game on top of that. And then later on in the game, you know, uh, uh, Smith had another holding penalty in kind of a critical situation as well. So um, I, I didn't like that. But aside f- in just in terms of his ability to um, kind of do a decent job, I'll put it that way, because like I said, I was not impressed with him at all in practices. So I was impressed with him. It looks at least to, that he's progressing into that, into that uh, to be, have the ability to play right tackle. So that was encouraging for me. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed, so um, when, we, when we did the draft guide, I broke down the offensive linemen. And, and when I watched Smith uh, in college at Auburn, I, I really I wasn't super impressed with his movement skills. I didn't think that he did well in space. Uh, and I, I didn't think that there would be any way that he was going to be a tackle in the league. And uh, one thing, he's really impressed me with his ability to move in space and, and uh, bend. And, and that's one thing that I, I didn't see in his college tape that, you know, it, maybe he just didn't have the opportunity uh, or maybe it's something that, you know, he's come in and, and uh, Coach Googe has, has helped him out and he's really improved there. But, um, you know, that's one thing I have been impressed with the rookie. He, he's moving better than, than I thought. And maybe I just, maybe I just missed, maybe I was just wrong, but uh but I have been impressed with his ability to move in space. No, I think you're right because I didn't see it either. And I, I, I mean, I wanted them to try him at right tackle, but it wasn't because I thought he'd be good. I just thought it was you never know what you're going to find. You know what I mean? You right. might just right. find the right yeah. guy by, you know, happenstance. So I thought that was important for them to try it. I'm just surprised that it's still happening. I'm still, I'm just a little surprised that it's still, uh, you know, kind of under construction, so to speak, with him and in this uh, – you know, this, this attempt at getting him at right tackle. So, um, all in all, not, not, uh, I, I think that the Denzel good coming back is important for this team, at least to be able to have, um, 
some more depth. If nothing else, you've got a guy that you're going to put at right tackle in Braden Smith, possibly, and then you got a backup now in Denzel Good, who you like there to start for the most part um, outside right. of Austin Howard. So let's just hope that Denzel Good, when he does come back, that he's got at least some of what they saw on him to be an immediate backup uh, just off the jump, off of off of sight. So Malik, yeah. Hook, Malik Hooker coming back too. This is exciting because now the Colts are actually going to have Gethers and Hooker paired up. Um, and, and this, I think this makes a big difference for, I mean, not only did we see Quincy Wilson kind of play well last night and, uh, you know, kind of the first time in front of everybody, like, look, this is still what he's got, you know, at a pretty constant rate during games. Um, but now we're going to have, you know, an, a legit eraser over the top, uh, hopefully some sort of enforcement underneath with gathers and mate, you know, he's not terrible in coverage or anything like that. So this is a pairing that I think is going to help a lot of aspects of the Colts defense just having Hooker back and having the, the the quarterback be conscious of where he's at all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, and and another thing too, we have it's it's actually been amazing watching our linebackers, you know, they're flying around. These guys can cover people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing having linebackers with some speed that can cover and having those guys underneath and then getting Hooker back and his ability to, to make up ground and, and to just make plays on balls that nobody else is going to make. Having him over the top and having linebackers that can fly around and, and make plays in coverage. And like you said, with, with Quincy Wilson, I, you know, I think that if, if Wilson continues to play like he played last night, um, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's going to be, we're going to see really good things out of Quincy and, and uh, it's exciting. It's exciting because the Colts defense, for the first time in a really long time, has a lot of young, exciting talent. I don't know if they're all going to work out as well as what they're, they're looking like they might now, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it's exciting, if nothing else, just to see the speed that's out there. It's, it's good to feel like that we're playing defense in 2018 again. It's, it's cool to see. Yeah, it is, and it may not work out great this first year, but you have to like the direction that it's going and the pieces Absolutely. that they've got in, in place, so that's always fun. Uh, folks, you guys know about my dude, Mike Ernest. Uh, he is the man at the Remax Advanced Realty and Indy Home Pros team. They're the number one selling real estate team in Indiana. If you're looking for a house in Indianapolis, if you're looking to buy your house or sell your house in Indianapolis or any of the surrounding areas, make sure you guys give my guy, Mike Ernest, a, a call. Get a hold of him and his Indy Pros team. They can help put the number one real estate team in Indiana on your side by calling Mike Ernest at 317-285-9691 or get him online at circlecityforsale.com. Again, that's 317-285-9691 or circlecityforsale.com. Get a hold of Mike Ernest, folks. Um, doing big things, guys. So, I mean, get a hold of him. He's he's going to be doing the work for you, and this guy's a dedicated guy. So I wouldn't say it if I didn't know it. Um Chris, let's uh, let's take a quick uh, five second break right here, and then we'll come back with uh, the second uh, set of the show. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. 
Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online. That's my bookie, M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use my promo code Blue Colts when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online. That's my bookie, M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use my promo code BLUECOLTS when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. All right, man. So let's talk about Hassan Ridgeway here for a moment then. Uh, Ridgeway, four sacks in his first two games. What, six tackles for loss total? I think he's got four or five hits on the quarterback total. Hassan Ridgeway did it the first week. He did it against, you know, kind of some second and third, fourth team guys. But last, uh, last night, he did that against first and second team squads, man. Ridgeway's not only solidified himself a roster spot on here, but how much is he an immediate backup now? This is interesting as we get to Grover Stewart and Hassan Ridgeway fighting for snaps, right? We've got Al Woods and we've got Danico Autry. So we have that as in our immediate second wave of interior defensive tackle. Uh, I think that's a pretty good start for this Colts front line. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, surprisingly, I think we're going to have a pretty nice rotation. We're going to be able to see some pretty cool stuff happen. Ridgeway to me, looks like he he's finally found he's finally it looks like he's finally home in a in a one gap scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, seeing the guy in a two gap scheme, and then come to you know this this Tampa two base where you know the entire point of the defensive line is to get penetration. He looks really good at that, and uh, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool to see a young guy who you know I wouldn't say that he disappointed before, but I I don't think that. I don't think anybody would think that he was what he could have been given the athlete that he was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think that seeing him in a one gap scheme has made all the difference for him and, and being able to to see the the rotation that we're going to be able to have. That's one thing that everybody talked about with Philadelphia is the the rotation that they had on their defensive line and how they were able to to move guys in all year long and, and not really see much of a drop off. And, 
And uh, that was so I know that we gave up some long runs last night, but the interior of that defensive line, especially against the ones and the twos, they looked pretty stout against the run. They they gave up some contain on the outside and that there were some issues there. Things broke down. But really, the middle of that defensive line, it was solid. You weren't getting anything in there. And that was, you know, a lot of that was Ridgeway and, and Al Woods was in there, too. But. Um, I think the defensive line is going to be sneaky good, and I think that uh, that, you know it's going to be it's going to be one of the more surprising elements because honestly I didn't see it coming. I I thought that that was going to be a position group that we struggled with, and and that we were going to be looking to draft next year. But um, but so far I've been pleasantly surprised. I have too, and and some of the talk about this defensive line stunting and stuff and and slanting. I, I think that that might play a good part in it, but also you see it kind of you see both sides kind of kind of bottleneck in there. Once that running back, if he makes a you know once he commits anywhere in between the tackles, it seems like the Colts defensive line is doing a pretty good job of swallowing them up. It's when they get mm-hmm. out of there they spread those ends out and try to get them into contain mode. They seem to have some luck cutting back in against the grain. So that's something that the Colts are really going to have to work on with their early pursuit inside the first five yards from the line of scrimmage and getting those runs stopped, not only for big possibility of big gains, but the Colts need that first wave of defenders to be able to make a lot of tackles. That's going to put a lot of opposing teams in a lot of third down situations and five or more. And that's something that's absolutely critical for this Colts defense. I think uh, we have to, the, the Colts absolutely have to put teams on the rope early force them into passing downs, and then force them also not only in just just passing downs, but force them into a situation where the quarterback doesn't feel comfortable dinking and dunking because he knows his guys aren't getting anything after the catch. That's where the Colts can be actually dangerous this year. So I'm a little excited to see that. You love seeing the defensive speed on here. And talking about defensive speed, another guy that has played really well that continues to just get talked about as a really good football player. He's playing really well. Nobody really sees him as a starter or even really, uh, you know, much more than that, much beyond that, uh, is John Simon. John Simon has Mm -hmm. been fantastic, had an excellent sack last night, totally blew up that guard. Uh, on a stunt, he came inside of the defensive tackle. I can't remember who the defensive tackle was at the time, but um, he, he continues to do this. And then there's kind of a side now, a side conversation about John Simon and, and, and people are asking if the Colts are showcasing him for possible trade bait. Uh, I'll let you hit this one first because I've got a, a, a response to this. And I wanted to kind of touch on this myself. Sure. Yeah. So first, the the play that you're talking about when he came in and and he actually his entire job on that play was to free up the the defensive tackle to loop around and instead he just totally blew it up mm-hmm. and went in and and made the sack himself. It was a great play. Um, not I didn't I saw it so I actually remember watching that play and I remember him coming down. I was like, okay, he's crashing down. Somebody's coming to loop and the the deep like you said I don't remember who the DT was but the defensive tackle comes to loop around and he's not making it but then there comes John Simon a guy that was supposed to be out of the play and he comes in and he makes the play and it was a great play so as far as the uh, the showcasing him for a trade idea I think that a lot of people picked up on that because I noticed it too and I thought it was strange because he's played so well he's he was in there in the fourth quarter yeah. against against guys that are going to be selling insurance this year. I mean, you know, he wasn't uh, – it, it wasn't like he was in there only against the ones and twos and then they came out. He played – he was playing special teams in the fourth quarter of the second preseason game. So I think that's where some people had the question. Um, 
you know, if if they are really sold on Ture, uh, then maybe that's what they're doing. But at the same time, man, I just I don't know. I don't see how I don't see how you can get rid of a guy that that looks as productive as he's been and and looks really as good as he's been. Um, you know, I what are you going to get back? You're going right. you're going to get maybe a, a fifth rounder out of the guy. You know, a fifth rounder is not going to be more helpful than, say, Simon in the regular season only gives you six sacks, but he's part of a rotation between him and Ture and a, a couple other guys that they total 15 sacks between three of them. Mm. That's pretty good. It, you're you're not going to get that out of a fifth round pick 90% of the time. So, right. you know, I, I just. I just don't see I don't see the benefit of trading John Simon. No, I don't either. And I don't even really get the whole point in the showcasing because I mean, look, yes, he had some snaps against the ones and twos, but don't you just keep him in there against first and second teams if that's what you're trying to do? What good are you doing to showcase him against like you said, guys who are going to be selling insurance? You know, that right. doesn't prove anything. That doesn't show teams anything that he can win against four-string guys. I think that if they really were showcasing him, they'd have had him in and been – we would have been seeing him early in the game and a lot. And I think that that would have been the case. I just don't see that. I don't I don't understand why he was in in the fourth quarter because we saw Basham. Basham was playing in the first half as well, but Basham was also playing in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know. Maybe this is just – there's no real – after like the starters, maybe with the defensive approach to these preseason games is just – we're just going to continue to rotate every so often, and even some of the guys who played early in the game are going to at least get a few snaps. And you know, as the game progresses into the, four, uh, the sure. second the second half, that I mean, that would only make sense to me. I guess that's the only thing that would make sense to me, other than the fact that we saw several of the guys playing in the fourth quarter. It wasn't just John Simon. Uh, John Simon right. seemed to be the most noticeable one because he see, he's just always so active. You know, you always see him doing something, even if he's not a, you know, the guy who's actually uh, conducting the tackle, you know. So I, right. um, I think that's probably much ado about nothing. I would think, and I agree with you, that is – John Simon is not worth a fourth, fifth, sixth-round draft pick right now for the Colts. What he's worth is for everything he's teaching the guys who are coming up under him right now and all the effort he's showing – the guys that are the young guys on the defense that are behind him, how it's actually supposed to be done. He would last year. I mean, think about this. If, if Simon would ever to have been traded uh, coming up, if he's ever traded, then the Colts will have lost two of their most productive front four players. Uh, or well, I guess front seven, because he's a, he was a linebacker last year, but mm-hmm. um, two of their f- best front seven players of the team last year. And that would be Hankins and Simon. Then, mm-hmm. I mean, those two guys may have not. I mean, Simon didn't play the entire year, but if he had, he would. I, I have to believe he would have been right there with Jabal Sheard in terms of sacks. I mean, he was extremely active. He got his sacks underneath, kind of like he did last night. He got some sacks off the edge. So, I mean, he's a guy who is is dangerous from anywhere. I mean, we saw him the other night when he created the sack for Denico uh, Autry in first uh, first preseason game. He came down and crashed that uh, mm-hmm. that offensive guard into the center, and Danico Autry, who was looping around, he came free and he got the sack. You know what I'm saying? He just right. does so many things that people don't really see in the stat books uh, during a game, and that to me is priceless on a defense, especially with a bunch of young guys. And he's not old, but he is enough yeah. of a veteran and enough of a, a, a ball player 
that these guys are learning some valuable, valuable lessons, I think, from him. So that, to me, would be just bonkers for the Colts to do that. It would make no sense. Yeah. Yeah, he's one thing that you said, he is he's a really unselfish player and what I mean by that is like you said, when he's running those stunts in, he's he's not running those stunts for any glory for himself at all. He's running them in to free up his teammate and he does that with more effort than than most guys who run that play. Because most guys who, who are running that in to, to crash the guard down into the center, they know, okay, I'm doing this but I'm I'm not the guy on this play. They you don't see that type of effort that Simon gives. Simon gives great effort on those plays. He actively works and tries to get his teammates freed open and and uh, I think that that's why it's been effective. It was effective in the first game and I don't know what happened with the defensive tackle that looped around in, in the game yesterday. Right. Um, but you know, <laughs> because of that great effort, he was able to come through and he made a play himself. So um, the guy gives great great effort on plays when he's not uh He's not going to be the guy that's, you know, going in and, and getting the sack or making the hit. So he's uh, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But what do you think the chances of Basham making the roster are? Because I, I know he's a second-year guy. I know he's a third-round pick a year ago. Other than the blocked punt that he had last night, I, I haven't seen anything out of the guy. Do you think he makes the roster at this point? I am so conflicted right now, uh, Chris, about, about Basham, to be quite honest with you. I, um, I I really don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think that you benefit from cutting a guy like that when you've got a guy like Delaire who's definitely showing some signs of uh, being, you know, a, a real playmaker possibly off the edge. I mean, Delaire, I mean, threw a fat spin move last night. He got some interior pressure on another play. Delaire has, you know, I just don't – I mean, he showed more in that one play where he did the spin mm -hmm. move on the right tackle – or left tackle than Basham has shown in a season and a preseason. Yep. I, I just hate it because, I, I mean – and I think that right now Chris Ballard is having this very conversation, if, no, if with nobody else, himself, because he does yeah. not want to give up on a third-round pick. But at the same time, man, roster spots are, are valuable – you know what I mean? And, and the Colts really have to get the best talent on this roster. Could they use Basham? Sure. But maybe for special teams like they have been using him. I happen, right. you know, I just don't ever see him with a, I still don't ever see a counter move from him. His bull rush yeah. is not to the point where he doesn't need a counter move. And I, I don't, man, I don't know. Because right now, if I'm like legitimately counting to 53, I didn't draft anybody on the field. I'm not keeping Basham. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I don't think that I, I, somebody asked me this the other day and they said, do you really think that like, if, for example, let's say like a Ridgeway, if Ridgeway wasn't having a good preseason or not as good a preseason as he had, is there some way that Ballard simply because he didn't draft him, you know, why would you not pick that guy on your roster just because you didn't draft him? It's not just because you didn't draft him, but it's also, we talk about this with everybody. No, this guy doesn't have any ties to him, so watch out. You know, he could be gone. You know, and that's right. – he, and he's done that a little bit. But also, and as much as I hate it, uh, at least with Hankins, I still feel that it's, it, it's true to Ballard because it's his process. And let me kind of explain what I mean by that. He got rid of Zach Banner last year after drafting him, what, in the fourth round? 
Uh, yeah, late fourth, early fifth, I think, something like that. Okay, I think he fourth, was. The, I think fourth. I think, I think fourth. he was the Colts' first fourth round pick that they had last year, and I think Marlon Mack was drafted after him, actually. Um, yeah. So he got rid of him. He cut him, mm-hmm. and he basically said, "Look, this guy's not working out. They, it's a draft pick, but uh, I'm not dealing with it." Regardless of what I think or what we think about how stupid it was that Hankins was released. Bauer didn't think it was stupid. He didn't think that he was a, a, a scheme fit for this defense, and he cut bait, and he was – you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's not it, – it's his process, and I think I, – I guess I don't love it, but I respect it. You know what I mean? And so right. my thought process is on this is that Bauer's going to continue to do what's best for this team, and if he thinks that Basham can offer something else – he might keep him on, but I would not doubt it one bit, honestly, if Basham's gone. And that seems like giving up, and that's a lot of draft capital to give up on a, on a guy. But, man, there's guys right now that you've got that are better than Basham, and two of them are rookies. Yeah. And you got another guy that didn't even play football last year, man. <laughs> I know. You got him off the street a week ago. And he's shining, and he looks good yeah. in practice, and he looks good in the preseason. And Basham doesn't. He just does. I had to. I had to Google who number seventy five was. I, was <laughs> yeah, I, I saw. I saw this guy with with these long dreads come in the game wearing number seventy five, and he like the first play he's in. He he jumps off the screen. I was like, who was that? Yeah. And I had to Google it because I knew that we signed him. I didn't know he was wearing number seventy five. Hopefully, hopefully after roster cutdowns happen and he makes the team, hopefully that number changes. It doesn't look good on him. But no, I I didn't know who the guy was. I had to look him up, and you know. It, it, that guy's coming in and making plays that Basham, Basham just hasn't shown that he can make. I, I'm in the same boat with you. I think that his only realistic path, I don't know personally, I think his only realistic path is to keep making plays on special teams and to really be a special team standout because, like you said, his pass rush moves just aren't there. He's not, he, he's not showing any explosion. He's not doing anything to, to warrant a, a, a roster spot. And I think the roster spots, especially with the defensive line, they're going to be tough to come by this year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. This is an ascent. This is a team that's hoping to ascend, not hang on to dead weight. And if Basham turns yeah. out to be dead weight, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I said, I think that I'd let go of him. I just don't know if uh, if Bauer does, and I don't know that he gives a crap. To be quite honest with you, about where he spent a, a, a draft pick, I, I would I would continue to love to see him own up to mistakes and just say, "Look, I thought Basham was going to be really good. He's not. You know, that's just all there is yeah. to it." And I don't know that we think that he can develop. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot yeah. of potential in him, but man, I don't know. So last night. Uh, we'll talk about the running backs real fast here, but it's a combination of the line and the running backs. The Colts averaged 3.1 yards per carry last night. Did that Does that bother you? Um, being, I know it's a preseason game, but just in general, from what you saw up front uh, between the running backs and the line, the combination of the two, the way that the, the, the running back and the line were, their, their, their amount of chemistry, um, what, what do you glean from that, if anything? So I didn't notice, uh, and again, I've, I'm only on one watch through, so I would have to watch the game again to, to be absolutely sure. But I didn't notice a lot of pulling last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice either guard really getting up and getting out. And then the first game we saw that a little bit more. Um, but just based on what I what I've learned about Frank Reich's history, uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of pulling guards. Uh, I think that. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't draft Quentin Nelson only because he's a good pulling guard. 
but he, when you watch Quentin Nelson from his Notre Dame days and you watch him pull, it's actually kind of amazing. I, I've never seen a guy that good in college pulling and kicking guys out, um, which doesn't, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a thing on a football field that a lot of people get excited for, and, and I know that I'm a total nerd because when I see Quentin Nelson just flatten a guy pulling out and, and I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. I know I'm, like, I know I'm the only guy in the world that's doing that. Um, but, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot, a lot different run concepts than what we're seeing right now in the preseason. I don't think that they're showing a lot. Um, I think that we're going to get some, some, we're going to work in some zone and you're going to see some guys pulling in zones and it's going to be some really cool stuff, uh, stuff that they did in Philadelphia last year and stuff that uh, if you go back to when Reich was in, uh, in San Diego, um, now LA, the chargers, mm-hmm. when he was with them, um, they blended some, some man running concepts with some zone blocking schemes and, and they did some pretty cool stuff there. I just, you know, I think that everything was pretty straightforward. I really don't think they showed anything um, like they're going to show in the regular season last night. It doesn't really worry me, especially given the fact that we saw Christine Michael in there. Uh, I don't. I just don't know that there's any way that the coaches can be honest with themselves and start Christine Michael week one, even if Marlon Mack is hurt, even if Robert Turbin is suspended and or hurt. Uh, no matter what the case there, I, I just don't. I don't think you start him. Uh, you know. I, I think you've got to start Wilkins. I mean, you know, maybe maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe Wilkins isn't doing something right behind the scenes. I don't know. But uh, I think that with Wilkins in there, with them running more of the, the run schemes that they want to run and, and getting those guys to pull and kick guys out and getting – really, it's there's going to be an element of misdirection, I feel like, in, in with what they're going to run during the regular season. So when you get some of that misdirection in there and, and some of the things I think that you're going to see them do – you know, I don't think 3.1 in the second preseason game is really that big of a deal because I don't think they were showing anything. I, I could not agree more. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use my promo code BLUECOLTS when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice, whether it's who to play in fantasy, who's going to win, who's going to be a top performer. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you've got to check out MyBookie. You guys know by now I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. 
They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, individual bets, team bets. They've got it all, guys. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. I just did that literally the other day. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use my promo code BLUECOLTS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use my promo code BLUECOLTS when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Lay down some cash and win big today. Okay, so let's talk about this next group. Uh, We had Ishmael, uh, Rogers, Doyle, Pascal, all with at least two catches last night and all averaged at least 13 yards per reception. Uh, a couple of these guys in, in uh, Pascal and uh, Ishmael, both really in the hunt right now for the wide receiver position. Um, mm-hmm. How much have you paid attention to the receivers? I mean, you also got Cason Williams in there, who I think's heavily in the mix with K.J. Brent out. Krishan Hogan seems to be injured again. Um, I think these two. I think these two are legitimately in the hunt for the, at least the wide receiver number five spot. Yeah. Well, so Ishmael came up with that that big catch. Uh, he went up and he got it, and and just over the fingertips of the defender. And you know, and they always talk about you know going out and making a big play, getting noticed. Mm-hmm. And I think that he did that last night. Uh, I think that he's probably going to get more of a look earlier on uh, next. I don't know, you know, how much of a look he gets early on, but I think that he'll get a bigger look. Um, as far as everybody else, I know there were some guys that made some, some good plays, but at the same time, uh, they, for every big play, I feel like that a receiver made, you know, there was also a big drop that, that came right before it. So, you know, it definitely, they're definitely inconsistent. I think that there's some potential with the group. Uh, I am worried that it's, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm more, I'm worried that, you know, Ryan Grant isn't maybe the guy that, we hoped he could be, uh, and you know if Ty doesn't get healthy in a hurry, who? I mean, we've got we've got Jack Doyle, we've got Eric Ebron that we still haven't seen, and I'm hoping they're just hiding Ebron for the regular season. Um, but you know, who who's leg going to throw to if if one of these young guys doesn't come along and and really become consistent and, and show that they can get open and, and make plays? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then. Now you've got to add in Naheem Hines to this mix here, uh, a guy that the Colts have, I mean, exclusively been the guy that they've used in punt and kick returns. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that Marlon Mack has some special teams return ability. I know that Chester Rogers does. But, man, what are they – I mean, why aren't they bringing some more guys in the mix here in the return game? Uh, Naheem Hines isn't, isn't a safe bet back there at all. I mean, yeah, no. it's scary. It's it's legitimately scary because if he's catching punts and kicks, uh, if he returns the opening kickoff, I mean, think about that. How many times are the Colts going to be in a situation where they're getting a kick with four minutes to go in the game and we have a potential Andrew Luck comeback here and we can't even get the damn ball because we can't hang on to it while we're getting tackled? Right. Yeah, and, it, you know, I think that that's one of those things. That I feel like the coach – coaches are in a, a tough position there right because number one you got the you got a kid back there who you know he's he's ready to go he's ready to return the kick 
and he goes out, he returns the kick, and you have a lot of faith in him. You really believe in the kid. He's, he's fast. You've seen it in practice. You really believe that he's going to be something special as a kick returner. He goes out, and he fumbles the football. So as a coach, now you're looking at it, and you're going, okay, am I going to pull this kid? Well, you know, I don't really want to destroy his confidence. I don't want him to, to think that if he screws up that he's not going to get to play again. Um, so, you know, it's the preseason. Do I send him back out there or do I pull him off and give somebody else a chance to do it? And I feel like that, that they're showing that they have a lot of faith in Naheem Hines, uh, in his ability to return kicks. As a fan, it's absolutely frustrating because <laughs> I want to see anybody who's not giving the ball away. Right. I, I don't care. Get, get the ball to the 20 and fall down. Like, that's better than giving the ball away. Um, you know, so uh, – it's frustrating, but at the same time, I can see why they, if they really believe in him and they really believe that he could be something special with the ball in his hands, I, I haven't seen it yet, which is disappointing because I, like I had, I thought Naheem Hines would be a lot of fun to watch. I haven't seen that yet, but if, if they believe it and they believe that it's there, um, you know, I could see not wanting to crush the kid's confidence and, you know, really stop him in his tracks mentally before he ever really gets going. Yeah, there's a very fine line here, Chris, with, um, do you cut him or do you show, I mean, just what do you do with the guy? And I don't mean cut him from the roster, but I mean cut him from right. his uh, return duties because you've got, man, you've got an, a responsibility to this locker room to allow somebody who's probably going to hang on to the ball an opportunity at that role. And you keep giving it to a rookie who hasn't done anything really to deserve it since the Colts have sure. started their preseason. So, there is, you know, look, he's – look, Naheem, sit down. Look, man, love you. We got a lot of faith in you. But you're going to give away the ball too damn much right now. You're going to have to earn that back, period. And, right, you know, right. we love you. Dap it up. We're going to go try again. You're still on the team. We still think you can be a deadly receiver. We still think that when you get some space in the open field that you can make some things happen, especially in the screen game. We're going to – they're still going to use him. Look, just not – just not returning kicks right now, man. You're, you're killing me, man. No, it, you know that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, so I, I think that they've really got to approach. I mean, they got to they got to sit him down, and they've got to get through to him that you know it, 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 you just haven't earned it, my man. And we've given you a lot of opportunities, and you're and you're spoiling some of them. It's just that simple. Um, yeah. Ross Travis, three catches last night, uh, twenty nine yards. I, he continues to impress me. I, I love this guy on the field. Yeah, and you know he's uh, he's looked good. Uh, he's he looks like he looks like a really good athlete, actually, which was kind of surprising. It wasn't something I expected to see. I think that our tight end group is the most talented and, and deepest group that we have. Um, which you know I think maybe if you maybe if you're picking out which group on a team you want to be the most talented and deep maybe you don't choose the tight ends first but it's it's a good problem to have um i actually this was a, a comment that somebody had posted uh, on Stampede Blue that they had asked on one of my articles if i expected to see a lot of three tight end sets uh and that's something that so that the Eagles did a lot in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, they had a lot of two and three men sets on the field at the same time. Uh, and they were able to do some pretty cool things with it. They, this wasn't the Chudzinski offense of three tight ends and hand the ball to Trent Richardson for two and a half yards. Right. They were doing some, some pretty cool things. They had some pretty cool pass concepts and, and run concepts and play action concepts off those, those run concepts that they had. So th they did some really cool things with three tight ends in there. Uh, and then I also went back to this, 2016 Philadelphia Eagles, 
and I looked at the receivers, and they kind of mirror the receivers that the Colts have now. There's guys with some potential, and there's guys that we hope come along. Um, but the 2017 Eagles, they went out and they spent some money, and they got some dudes that could catch the football, run good routes, and score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the 16 Eagles, they had good tight ends, so they used them. And I feel like that we're going to see that this year, and I think that Ross Travis, he could be that guy that goes out, and he might be that third guy, and, and uh, he has shown a lot. He, he looks good, and, and uh, I think that he's somebody that can be – so far, he looks like somebody that can be relied upon, and, and uh, I think he might end up making some plays this year. Absolutely, and I don't think there's any question that the Colts should keep four tight ends. I just think that they should. I right. think Swoops had a hell of a camp, too. I mean, just keep them. You can afford it yeah, because yeah. you've got yeah. some guys with some special teams help uh, in the corners and, and you know just whatever. I think that they've got enough of all that. They've got to keep guys who are going to be effective and can, can come in and out and offer different skill sets too because i mean you've got swoop who's kind of in my opinion uh, we kind of keep trying to to liken him to ebron i really think he's Mm -hmm. more flashy than ebron and i mean flashy as in speed like raw speed um Mm -hmm. so i think that he actually might be the guy there that really opens up the deep uh part if at all possible he's going to be deadly on wheel routes but i think you've also got a nice combination with Doyle and uh, Ebron and uh, Travis of guys who can not only play the seam, but they can play the flats. They can come across the field, and they've got some solid speed. And then when you look at Doyle, he is just an expert route runner, and you see how well he does that, especially in the red zone, which is absolutely critical to this team. So I think you have to keep all four of those guys, to be quite honest with you. And I just think that this year, this offense depends on that, and that's honestly – like you said, they're yeah. going to use those tight ends. Why would you not want to allow this six-seven guy who can jump, run, and catch um, uh, a spot? In, you know, a, a very open and and um, popular spot there where he's going to be a popular guy with the quarterback, rather. So I, I just don't. I don't think there's any chance they don't keep four. And I think that Travis and, and Swoop are three and four in some regard, one way or the other. So uh, yeah. they, they definitely are a fun group to watch. Zaire Franklin, Darius Leonard, both rookies, led the Colts last night in tackling nine and seven, uh, respectively. Grover Stewart had a good game. Odom's uh, or Odom, Matthew Adams, a guy who I felt had a really good game as well too, a rookie. I think that he is going to allow the Colts to not have to keep Antonio Morrison just in general because I think he offers the special teams and the actual defensive uh, uh, assets that. Morrison doesn't. He's faster. Mm-hmm. He's just as physical, in my opinion. And I think that Matthew Adams really kind of showed himself last night. Uh, but he, he, Odom, and Sky Moore all had four tackles. So we got a bunch of guys here that are young. Obviously, it's not that, you know, they're on the field. Some of these guys got to make tackles, and we've got a lot of rookies. So, but Zaire mm-hmm. Franklin's a guy that we like. I mean, Darius Leonard really showed up last night. And let's talk about that, that personal foul real quick on Autry, only for the fact that we could have lost Darius Leonard for a couple games if Autry hadn't gotten that personal foul. It wasn't a personal foul. Autry's running uh, towards the play, and then the tight end jumps, like literally into Darius Leonard's like right. arms. Darius Leonard has him by – I mean, he is about to pull a wrestling move on this dude and powerbomb him. And Autry coming up from behind him, bumping into him, literally saved that tight end's life. So I think. So the the thing is, is that if Autry hadn't have been there, 
that would have made every single coach's playlist for what they show their players is why you don't leave your feet. <laughs> That's exactly it, right. It, it, it was going to be, it was going to be terrifying and amazing all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and Autry, Autry's, uh, the, how, what, what's the call they, they he led with, he yeah. led with his head is, is the, the yeah. penalty. Led with the helmet. Um, he just ran into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He just he was Standing just, he just happened up. to be there, <laughs> and like you said, he saved that tight end's life, and we still got the penalty for it. So you know, it, it was a it was a bad call. That, that's a bad call, uh, and you know, hopefully, as as the you know the rule and the season progress, things like that are kind of you know they're, they're worked out and the kinks get worked out. That was a that was a bad call. Yeah. Um, Fortunately for that tight end, that tight end should probably buy Danico Atria dinner or something because he he earned it. Absolutely. Uh, more or less, coming away from this game, though, I'm impressed with a lot of these young guys. and uh, Absolutely. I think Grover Stewart's really kind of started to really kind of grow into himself this year. I like that. He's showing some speed. He's showing some power. Um, just impressed with some of these guys. I mean, look, it doesn't look pretty. You know, the, the picture right now is just a bunch of colors, but you can see kind of the, the, the focus of the image starting to come together. And I think we talked about that with the, the secondary as well. But you look at this front and some of these linebackers. I really like Matthew Adams. I really like Zaire, yeah. Zaire Franklin and Sky Moore. I like a lot of these guys a lot. And I think that they have a foundation that they're seeing and there's and I think that they're visualizing it with these guys right now and they're not at all worried about this year as far as what if we don't win the division. You know what I mean? They right. they see the potential in these guys and they know what they're building. And uh I, I think it's it's still going to be an exciting season. I try not to take too much away from preseason, but you like to see guys who are physical, you like to see guys who are reacting to the ball well, and you like to see guys who are getting better. And I think all of those guys are each week with practice. And I think that where we wish Basham was getting better, a lot of these guys are just passing him up in skills, period. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, pretty fair. But uh, Simon and Ridgeway both had sacks last night. Ridgeway had two of them. Um, man, this is, this is just a, a – it, it, it was a hard game to watch almost. At least it was for me last night because – we just kept seeing some crappy football and some real sloppy football at times. But in general, when you see, I mean, I guess if you see Darius Fountain out there, he didn't catch a pass. He had a couple opportunities to get a touchdown, but it's just not there for him. Okay. I'm not too worried about him because he hasn't been in practice and he wasn't showing much before practice. However, he's been better still since he had, since before he got hurt and that's good. So he's not he's not on the radar yet, but he's got two games left. We'll see what he can do. Um, but more more or less, just in general, I think that this Colts roster, I mean, they've got a chance, Chris, to win this division, man. And I'm put. I think I'm putting a bet on him. I be. I really am. I know it's a way underdog bet, but that's why I like it. Well, so the the thing is that anytime you have a quarterback that is Andrew Luck. You've got a chance to win ten games, mm-hmm. and it, it, you you just do. And I think that a lot of a lot of the national media and a lot of fans of other teams, it, it's it's easy to to look at a guy like Luck and and to hate on him and to forget how good he he is and how good he was. Um, but anytime you've got Andrew Luck, you can win ten games if you have 
just something, anyone around him. And I feel like that the Colts do. I feel like that at any time, how many picks did, did Ballard have to play? He had 11, I think 11 draft picks. Yeah. Anytime you have 11 draft picks, if you, if you aren't Sashi Brown, you're going to hit on maybe four or five of those guys. I mean, just the odds are you're going to get you're going to get four or five guys who are going to contribute. You're probably going to get four starters out of 11 picks. If you're really good and you get really lucky, because let's be honest, if you're hitting picks in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round, you're probably getting lucky. Nobody, nobody's saving a guy for the sixth round. If you think that he's going to be a starter, you're taking him in the second round or the third round. You're not waiting till the sixth round and hoping that he's still there. So, it, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, you, you know, you still, you're trying to identify traits that you like. And, uh, you know, he seems to have done that. Like you said, with some of the, the, the linebackers that he got, Zaire Franklin, I think that he's flashed. He's looked fast. He's looked athletic. Um, you know, Sky Moore, I want to know what was wrong with Sky Moore, why he wasn't drafted because that dude, he should have been drafted. He's good. The team, the entire team, it's they're young, they're exciting. Uh, like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch them, and and uh, it would sitting here right now, it would not surprise me a bit if in December we were talking about the Colts competing for you know the division crown. wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. So yeah. it's uh it's gonna be an exciting year, and at the same time, if you know we're sitting there and we're we're trying to get to eight and eight, uh, also wouldn't shock me with that either. I hope that's not it. Uh, I hope that you know we're we're in that 10, 11, 12 win range. That would be great. Uh, and I think that we could be, but you know, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a lot of new, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, and we've got, we've got a first time head coach. We've got a first time offensive coordinator and we've got a first time defensive coordinator. So there's going to be some bumps in the road and, and there's going to be some things happen that probably leave us all scratching our heads, but um, everybody's young uh, and it, it, they're going to get better. That's the amazing thing about, young football players, they tend to get better. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think that we can agree that uh, – I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know how much we can even take from the dress rehearsal in week three. But we can agree that we can't really take a bunch away from preseason in general. The regular season is going to be really exciting once that starts kicking off. However, in this game, the Colts outgained uh, both uh, bulk yardage and per play – over the Ravens. The Ravens had a couple opportunities to actually score touchdowns and the Colts lucked out because they were able to get them out. The Colts held the Ravens to two of 13 on third downs. I wasn't quite aware of that until a little while ago, but I thought that that was interesting because it did not really seem that like that. Um, but I think the, that possibly the reason of that is because that the Ravens had four first downs via penalty. So I'm guessing that that kind of made me feel like, well, they weren't being so successful on third defensively, at least the Colts. So I, I think that the Colts found some things that they know that they can help um, build up this team. And as much as the game became kind of a mess at, at certain points, there are things to build on. So, I mean, this, 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 this team is exciting. I think that Colts fans have to really gain – uh, some perspective with everything that's going on right now. Yes, look forward to the dress rehearsal coming up uh, this Saturday. And then the Colts, what? They play the the following Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, they play, I think, three games in, over the course of 11 days. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so that, man, that is a lot of football. And the Colts are going to be – the Colts will have a few days after their fir their final game before they have to actually cut down. So that's good. Um, mm -hmm. But – the Colts, man, it, it just it's going to be a fun year, I think. 
no matter really what it is. But every year's fun, man. That's why we're fans. We love this, and we're going to argue about it. I'm going to rant on this show a couple times a year. It is just going to happen. Most of the time, I'm going to do my best to stay as positive as possible, but I'm also going to break it to you real. Chris, you brought it real tonight. I appreciate you jumping on the show, my man. Hey, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate being here, and uh, and yeah, looking forward to this year. Absolutely. We're going to have you back. Chris is going to be on the show as often as we can have him on as well. Um, he's like me. We don't have anything better to do than talk about Colts football, so that's what we're going to do. But thank you guys all for listening. Thank you guys all for watching. Check out uh, Stampede Blue for all your latest Indianapolis Colts news and analysis uh, every single day, multiple articles up. We throw this podcast together pretty hard, and uh, make sure you guys are getting some rating reviews for us on Apple, um, Apple iTunes, whatever it is, Apple Podcasts, so that you guys can help build this show up even greater than you already have. We definitely appreciate it. So, uh, Chris, again, thank you for stopping by, my man. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts Cast. Stampede Blue. It's the two megastars summer mashup. The awesome iPhone on the Rockstar Metro PCS Network. Get the iPhone you've always wanted for $0 so you can jam without limits. It's a hit. Get an iPhone SE on us when you switch. Metro PCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or on Metro PCS in past 90 days to an unlimited LTE plan. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.